Welcome to Coastline Church, seeking renewed faith in Humboldt County by being settled and secure in God's love. To learn more, visit coastlinefoursquare.com. Part of the lyric is Waymaker, Promise Keeper. And this, this message actually started over a week ago, and I've just been really focusing on this for the past week and a half. He says he's promise keeper. And during a worship service, I was greatly reminded of Psalm 56. And uh, do you need me sit farther that way? All right. <clears throat> greatly reminded of Psalm 56. Uh, 38 years ago, because I'm that old, um, <laughs> a dear friend, he and I, he now lives in Alaska. But we used to go for walks a lot. We were at the same stage of life. We both had little kids, a lot going on, financial stress, that stuff. And from him, I really learned to have when we would do this. We'd go on long walks in the Arcata Bottoms together, and we would read scripture out loud to each other. Because he taught me the value of anytime you feel anxious, you have a concern or worry, it helps when you actually don't just read it in your head, you read scripture out loud. And then it kind of grew into something for me, and I call it breathing scripture. Then I found out later there's somebody that teaches breathing the Psalms. And that fits because often the scriptures I breathe are Psalms. And I'm going to use a version different than I'm going to go over with this right now. But I'm just thinking of this right now. It hits me after Fran mentioned Waymaker because it's Waymaker Promise Keeper. And the version I like of it is, and this is accurate. But it's, when I am anxious, I will trust in you. In God, in whose promises I boast, I will trust in God, what can man do to me? And the breathing part I do is the front part, but it's this whole idea of my boast is in his promises, because he keeps them. I boast in the promise keeper. And so, just so you can see what I mean by breathing psalms, because this actually will help you calm down in times of anxiety. And I'm going to have you do it with me if you don't feel anxious now, because I want your body to remember this. Because it actually will actually take the nervousness out of your body, things like this. And I breathe deep. And then as I exhale, I say whatever scripture I'm focusing on that day. But a, a common psalm one is, when I am anxious, I will trust in you. So I breathe deep. Then exhale, when I am anxious... I will trust in you. Okay, do it with me. Deep. When I am anxious, I will trust in you. One more time. When I am anxious, I will trust in you. This stuff works. It's funny, nowadays, and I've mentioned this before, everybody's into this whole thing of, um, they call it not attunement, they call it some other thing. Um, mindfulness. And, and it's in, and they use Eastern terms for it. When I read what mindfulness is, yeah, if you add God to it, and you add scripture to it, they're talking about the practices Jesus did 2,000 years ago. They're talking about the practices David did long before that. This is not something new. This is something that's been in scripture, and, and God has had his people practice for thousands of years. It's the way of being attuned to what we're feeling and what's going on, and looking at it with his eyes, which David was amazing at. <clears throat> and we're going to look at how amazing that he was at this. Sorry. 
So Psalm 56. This is, all, all versions except Young's has this, and I'm, there's a reason I'm going to bring up Young's. Young's is a literal translation, hard to read at times, but really accurate. But most of them have this heading. So it's, to the leader according to the dove on forest terebinths of David, a miktam, when the Philistines seized him in Gath. Now, old Hebrew scriptures aren't easy to translate. And so you will see lots of versions translate them differently. Um, doesn't mean they're not accurate. It's that we don't fully understand certain things. And I think it's good to even be aware of it. This is why it helps to read common ones. Um, you know, the most, I would think, um, the closest to literal are like the NASB, uh, the New Revised Standard Version. And NIV is fine, too. I like NIV because it reads easy and it gives you some poetic flow, so we're going to use that one today. But I'm going to tell you where I feel like it, it comes short when you compare it to literal, because I just always do that. Um, some other versions, the way they do this, this just symbolizes that, that they have a challenge because there are certain phrases in Hebrew we really don't know exactly what they meant. So this one says, For the director, according to the Yonathel's Rehoam, a miktam of David when the Philistines seized him at Gath. Um, uh, a more modern one, the chief musician set to the silent dove in distant lands. A Mictan of David when the Philistines captured him in Gath. Lots of different phrases. They aren't that big a difference. But do you notice the phrase that's really common? Like somebody might even put it in yellow for you so you know what I'm getting to. <laughs> <clears throat> when they seized him in Gath. All versions have that line. <clears throat> and even though it's considered a preface, this is in the original Hebrew. Young's literal, and they have re he had reasons for this. When he wrote it, he actually put part, a lot of people label it as the first verse. I, I just, uh, this isn't questioning God's word at all. I hope you know the, the chapter numbers, the verse numbers, that came later. Like even in the New Testament, there are places where the chapter is divided in a, divided in a really weird place. Like God, like in Ephesians, God's in the middle of a flow of thought, and then we get a break from chapter 5 to chapter 6. It makes no sense. That's because someone later just put in the chapter numbers. So it's not questioning it. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I wish I had a mute button that was easier. But I find this powerful because Young has a reason for saying the heading to him included, like the title, what we often consider part of verse 1. So the young literal says, to the overseer on the dumb, dumb, far off, doesn't mean the dumb is stupid. The, the, it's the Hebrew word for mute. And since Young wrote his translation way back in the 1800s, he used dumb because dumb means mute. We, we, we later meant, thought it meant stupid. So you say, on the mute, dove, far off, a secret treasure of David and the Philistines taking hold of him in Gath. Favor me, O God, for man swallowed me up, all the fighting he oppresseth me, in Gath. In some of the original Hebrew texts, the word in Gath comes after the word oppressing me. So to Young, the whole title is this sentence. And I think it's powerful, because I, I, to me it makes the psalm more powerful, and I'll explain to you why when we get more into why in Gath. Because he's saying the title could be, Favor me, O God, for man swallowed me up, all day fighting, he oppresses me in Gath. And it's really important it's in Gath, and you'll see why later. <clears throat> so this is now I'm doing NIV. So this is traditionally how he puts 
the, the way most, most translations include verse 1. Be merciful to me, God, my God, for my enemies are in hard pursuit, hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. Some versions say, in pride, they're attacking me. Some say, many are attacking me, oh, excellent one. Because we can't tell for sure, does the pride mean referring to the pride of those attacking me, or is it a title where you're addressing the excellent one being God? Okay? But most versions see it this way. <clears throat> when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Literally, it says, the day I am fearing, in you I am trusting. Yeah. And I really like the literal. Because to me, the poetic, the poem of it. The day that I am fearing, any day I am fearing, in you I am trusting. In God, whose word I praise, um, the modern one like the NET puts it this way, in whose promises I boast. Because the word for word there is actually the word matters. So it's, it's matters God writes about, but it's not so much just like the word itself. It's the matter he wrote about. So in the matters that God writes about, I praise. And when you read the whole context, that's why the NET authors, the, the guys from Dallas Theological, and well, it was actually 24 different guys, they say because it's the matter, they, they translated it the promises. So the promises of God I praise. So this whole emphasis on God and his promises. In God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? <clears throat> All day long they twist my words. All their schemes are for my ruin. And I think we've all experienced nowadays the way there's a lot of animosity. You talk to someone and they'll twist your words against you. It ends up just a, a whole point of contention. It ends up a mess. They conspire, they lurk, they watch my steps, hoping to take my life. Because of their wickednesses, do not let them escape. In your anger, O oh God, bring the nations down, or bring the nations to humility. Now remember, we always see Old Testament in light of the New Testament. The Old Testament foreshadowed, it is an image of what we get in Christ. And in Christ, we have light for the Old Testament. Our adversary is not people. Our real adversary does all this plotting. Our adversary conspires. He lurks. He watches our steps. He's hoping to lead us away, take our lives. And we're saying, God, bring him down. Yeah. Record my misery. List my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? That's an ID. But I think they miss some of the poetry. The literal is, you yourself keep the number of my wanderings. And I'll talk about David's wanderings in a minute. Could also mean the word miseries. But you yourself keep the number of my miseries or wanderings. You place my tears in your bottle. Literally, it's a skin sack because they walk around with glass. But it means God keeps my tears in a bottle. I think that poetic vision, I, I don't want to lose that, is all your tears God holds precious. Are they not recorded in your scroll? Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this, I will know that God is for me. Here, here is where I think NIV makes a little mistake, because that by this, doesn't that word's not there, by. It's literally, then my enemies shall turn away in the day I call out. So it's what he's saying is, the day I call out, that's when my enemies turn away. 
You want your enemies to turn away, you call out. Then when my, my enemies shall turn away in the day I call out, this I know. There's no by, there's no, there's no um, what do you call it, uh, yeah. preposition for it. It's this I know that Elohim is for me. And that's just, that again, it's, again, Elohim is the greater, the creator God, the, the very multifaceted God. It's plural. It doesn't mean there's many gods. We also know it's God in plural form, Trinity. But to the Jews, it meant God in all the plural ways he supplies all our need. Again, it's, it is the only word for God in Genesis 1, and it's used 33 times. That he is the God who creates. He is the God who provides. He is the God who makes. This I know that Elohim is for me. Okay, why is an important gap? I stopped in the middle. We'll get back to it. But the real power in this isn't just the promise, knowing when David is writing this. In 1 Samuel, you have the story of David and Goliath. I mean, really, actually, you'd start. 1 Samuel 16 is when David is anointed king. Beautiful story just in that. 17, David and Goliath. We're familiar with the story. Um, because it's important later, David, it doesn't actually say he, David killed Goliath with a stone. It says he hit him with a stone and sucked deep in his head and he fell down. Then David drew Goliath's sword, killed him, and actually cut off his head and held it up. Chapter 18, because there's so success with Goliath, chapter 18, David goes into many battles. Saul's like recognizes, who is this kid? He's amazing. And so Saul, David just quickly rises up through the ranks. And he, Saul puts David in charge to fight many battles against the Philistines. That's important, against the Philistines. He has a lot of success, and then Saul turns on him. Because David's having so much success, the people start saying when he comes back, Saul has killed his thousands, David his ten thousands. And this really takes Saul off. And then Saul feels threatened. So Saul starts to plot David's death by giving him even more challenges. He basically is putting David in tough battles, hoping the Philistines will kill him. Instead, David just succeeds even more. In fact, there's even a weird thing with one of the daughters Saul promises and gives to another. And then he, he wants for, uh, he decides to give a different daughter to David. And David says in humility, who am I that I should marry a king's daughter? And Saul says, well, let David know you don't owe me a dowry. You just go get a bunch of Philistine foreskins, which I know is kind of weird. But his hope was you go out and kill a whole bunch of Philistines and that'll be the dowry. Again, hoping he'll just die in battle. <clears throat> By chapter 19, Saul's given up on that plan, and he's just out to kill David directly. And then chapter 20 is where Jonathan and David, they make their pact, and they do this whole warning game. But the bottom line is, <clears throat> after they meet, David goes on the run, because Saul is out to kill David. He runs to Ahimelech at Nob. Ahimelech is, is it's the priest, Ahimelech. David lies to him, does this stuff that later David regrets because it leads to a lot of trouble. David makes some decisions he greatly regrets. While he is there, he is saying to him like, I left so quick, I brought no weapons with me. Do you have any weapons? And he says, all we have is the sword of Goliath. And David says, oh, there's none other like it. I'll take that one. So it's the sword of Goliath. Then David decides, now understand, 
He's wandering. He's running. He's on the road. He doesn't know where to go. So I'm not faulting him for bad decisions, but it's important we understand he was human and he made bad decisions in times of crisis. Because not only does he make the, the thing of lying that has really horrible consequences, he decides to run to Gath. Gath is the city of the Philistines. Goliath's full name was known as Goliath of Gath. Goliath came from the city of Gath. So here you have a guy who is famous for succeeding against the Philistines. It said whenever the Philistines would go out to battle, David would go with them, go out against them and succeed. <clears throat> His success was their failure. And he gets the great idea, Saul is after me, I know what I'll do, I'll run to Gath, the Philistines will protect me from Saul. And he's showing up there carrying the sword of Goliath. The last time they saw it is their hero Goliath was slain with that sword by David and his head held up by him. And David's thinking this is a good idea. And of course, they're right in on it. What they say is, is this not the David of whom they sing? Saul's killed his thousands. David is ten thousands. And those ten thousands are us. So they do not look at this favorably. So they capture him. Again, they didn't have to go out and capture him. David came to them. So they take him captive. And the verse just goes right on, but we miss something. If We, we, we often miss that days or weeks can go between. <clears throat> the reason I say this is they capture him and eventually take him to Achish. Um, Achish is also known by the title, the father or grandfather of the one. It's to do that because there's two Achishes in Scripture, and it can get confusing. They're both a king in, in Gath, but there's Achish, who is also known as the father of. It gives him that title because when David and Saul were around, he was the, the Philistine ruler in Gath. Many decades later, like over half a century later, there's an Achish in Gath when Solomon's reigning, but they're not the same guy. In fact, uh, most scholars think he's either the son or grandson, one's the son or grandson of the other. I'm just saying that because when I refer to Psalm 34, you'll see he's referred to in a different name if we do that one. <clears throat> but I want you to get how David's in a jam. And while David is a prisoner of Gath, he writes Psalm 56. Um, what happens is when they do take him to Achish, David realizes now, man, I, I have blown it. I'm really in trouble. So he acts crazy, insane. He drools. He acts nuts. And so Achish says, do I have not enough insane people around me that you bring me this guy? And so then David's able to escape to the cave of Adullam. And we're going to read just a little bit of Psalm 34, but Psalm 34 David wrote while, while this was happening, while he acted insane and escaped to the cave of Adullam. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to go back to the psalm now, and I'm going to read it just the literal. So I'm going to reread the last two verses we read, because I want us to have this in mind. He's not singing just about or wrote a beautiful psalm about God, but he wrote about God while he is in a mess he got himself into. Because that actually brings out even a more beauty in this. You yourself keep the number of my wanderings, like you're aware of why I'm in a mess. You place my tears in your bottle. Are they not recorded in your scroll? Then my enemy shall turn away in the day I call out. He has this boldness that he's saying, look, 
I'm honest with you, God. I've wandered. I've been in a mess. And I'm aware. The Philistines didn't come grab me. I ran to them. But he doesn't stop that boldness from him of saying, but yet, even though I'm in this mess, my enemies shall turn away in the day I call out. I know, this I know, that Elohim is for me. David made a lot of mistakes we read about, but one of the ways he's after God's own heart, he never let the regret stop him from pressing into God. I know I shared before about Psalm 139, where it's just this crazy intimacy where God knows all about David. But where I think David was a man after God's heart, we often take that with fear. I mean, I was raised in a religion of, you better watch your step, God knows everything you do, and he can squirt you like a bug when you do wrong. <laughs> When David writes of it, he says, this is amazing. The God of the whole universe knows everything about me. And he loves me and I love him. And the fact that he got himself in the jam does not discourage him from calling out God to get him out of it. And that's really important because sometimes with us, we have battles and we have stress and we make bad decisions. And then we are like, but I got myself in this mess. I got to get myself out of it. And really, in God's view is, you made a bunch of dumb decisions to get there, and now you're making another one thinking you're going to get yourself out. So you'll just be adding another dumb decision instead of calling out to me. <clears throat> in God, it's the word Elohim, whose word I praise. In the Lord, whose word I praise. Again, that could also be in God. But instead of just whose word I praise, it could also be whose in promises I boast. But he uses both Elohim and Yahweh, both the Lord, the lawgiver, both the Yahweh, the ruler, and Elohim, the great creator. In both those characters of God, I trust. In God, I trust and not afraid. What can man do to me? The Philistines are around me, and yeah, I got myself here. I don't care. God can still get me out, and he will. I am under vows to you, God, my God. I will present my thank offerings to you. Again, the literal. To you I shall pay thank offerings, vows of you, Elohim, are on me. I think it's powerful because the one looks like it's just undervalued as vows like my vows to you. But he's not just saying it's about my vows, it's about his promises. To you I shall pay thank offerings, vows of you. So I'm not the only one with a vow here, Elohim has a vow. Vows of you are upon me. God has made promises that are upon us. For you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. It's a beautiful psalm, and I really encourage you this week, read it more. I've read this thing a lot of times. And it's, again, it's powerful to remember, this is an answer for regret. Because David didn't let the fact that he made mistakes stop him from calling out for God. <clears throat> psalm 34. Again, this is near the same time period, because this is when he was acting crazy. And they acted crazy long enough, they finally released him. Either that or he escaped. We don't know for sure. We do know somehow he escaped to the caves of Adjua. <clears throat> I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Sometimes we read scriptures that say, do not fear, cast your cares on the Lord. And that is biblical. 
But we read it almost like, oh, I feel guilty. In fact, I have to admit, Francis Chan, it's one of the things I'm not so great, the way he puts it. He'll say, if you're feeling anxious, you're just stuck in pride, repent. Well, I guess that works for him. <clears throat> I look at it more of like, when I see that scripture, don't be anxious, but turn to the Lord. It's like a dad with a son, and they're walking somewhere scary, and the son gets nervous. And the dad puts his arm in his son and says, son, don't be afraid, I'm here. You don't have to be afraid, I'm here. That's why like David is honest. David doesn't just say, repent of being fearful. He admits it. I am afraid. And then he says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. I'll put my eyes on you. Because he's not going to deny that he's feeling fear. He just knows the answer is to look to God. I sought the Lord, he answered me, delivered me from all my fears. Verse 8. Taste and see the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. We refer to this one a lot, taste and see the Lord is good. And people talk about like they eat pancakes and enjoy, they taste and see. And that is true. That is great. But I find it powerful that David wrote this while he's pretending he's crazy to get out of a jam. <clears throat> the righteous person may have many troubles. David is saying this in the midst of troubles. But the Lord delivers them from them all. And that's the bottom line I wanted to get across to this thing. Looking to the Lord, he delivers us from all troubles. All troubles. But what if I made the bad decision and got myself in a jam, and now I'm in trouble because I got it, got myself there? And I will say, I've heard teachings like, well, if you get yourself there, the promises of God are off. No, they aren't. <laughs> All try. He didn't write in there a clause. He delivers them from all except when you do something stupid. Because David did lots of stupid things. <laughs> no, the beauty of this is David is in trouble that he ran to, into. And he still believes, but God, I can turn to you now, and you will push them away and be there for me. And that was the lesson I wanted to get out of this. Psalm 56 is awesome. And it's awesome because Dave wrote it at a time of great trouble that he got himself into, and it didn't matter to God. We still talk and sing. <clears throat> Very good. Is Jerry still here? Jerry, are you still here? Yeah, yeah. Jerry, because I'd like to sing that song he sang at the end, the, the last one. <clears throat> so can you lead us in that song? Because again, it's, it's a God that does so much for us, and when we have regrets, because I haven't played with regret. I, I, I constantly will. I wake up in the morning and play by regrets of things like how I raised my kids when they were teenagers. All these thoughts come to me. But then I practice. That's even when I breathe. When I am feeling fear, I will trust in you. When regrets get across me, I will trust in you. You are the God that will do all things. Okay? Thank you, guys. Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining us today at Coastline Church. To find out more information, please visit coastlinefoursquare.com.